All right, everybody, come on back. <clears throat> so we have something amazing to show you this morning. Uh, something really neat that happened yesterday, uh, in addition to the beach day, but some of you know uh, a guy named Alexander. In fact, I think he's on Facebook right now watching the live service. He got baptized yesterday in Germany. And so here's, here's the, the best part of that. Through the beginning of COVID, obviously, uh, we started live streaming more and making that more intentional. And then through a mutual friend, he started watching uh, Caneo's services and wanted to join our church, met Jesus, and has been uh, being discipled by somebody in our church who will remain unnamed, and then uh, got connected with a church in Germany because he wanted to get baptized and just got baptized yesterday. So we're going to watch a video of that. It's pretty amazing. Kind of a pretty spot. <laughs> Can you tell if it's cold from a distance? Yeah. Odds are it's cold. Such a cool story. So let's say congratulations to Alexander. I think he'll be able to hear you. We love you, buddy. Congratulations. <laughs> Isn't that cool? What sometimes technology, you know, bothers us and sometimes it is a gift. Man. So we've been in a series called Building Your Life the, the last few weeks. And the first couple of weeks, we spent building the foundation, which was in that last song. Loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others as yourself. And so those two things become a foundation to building everything else in our life. And so today we're going to start talking about the first aspect of many uh, that we're going to deal with this summer, but uh, different ways in which you love God and love others through a, a part of your life. Today we're going to talk about work. So we're going to talk about how can your work be loving God? How can your work be loving others? In other words, can work be worship? Can work be ministry? And some of you might say, uh-uh, you don't know where I work, right? But, but it, it, it really can be. I mean, it's hard in my job sometimes, but no, I'm so, but, but we're going to start to work out practically how do you live out loving God and loving other people in different spheres of life. So let's, let's start today, though, with, with this word that you probably are familiar with, vocation. And it comes from a Latin word that means called or calling. And, and so in the old days, people thought that clergy or priests had a high calling and that other people, the laity, had a low calling. And so that was part of this word that meant calling or vocation. And so, so uh, in other words, someone like me 
gets paid to be good. And the rest of you, it would follow, are good for nothing. <laughs> so, but that, that separation of clergy and laity is messed up on so many levels. And, um, and God doesn't just call certain people to be holy in their work and everybody else is not. That's, that's kind of a messed up version of things. And he wants, all, he wants to use all of your lives for his glory. All parts of your life. Not everything except for work. Not everything except for marriage. Everything except for hobby. All parts are for him. If they're submitted to him, if we're saying yes to him, if we are being who we're created to be. So, but it's interesting, these days, a lot of times people talk about their vocation as their job more than their calling. It's kind of like, well, I ended up doing this. I got stuck doing this. My dad did this, and then I ended up doing this thing, right? And so what is that all about? Um, but, but, but work is not supposed to be separated from our spiritual life, right? And we have to kind of get back to that, that idea of calling. How, how has God called you to do what you do? How does he want to use what you do for his glory? And you're not there by accident. And, and he knows where you are and why. Sometimes we don't know why. Um, and work is, is important, and it's supposed to be part of our spiritual lives. Sometimes we think that what we do on you know, our spiritual lives, like when I wake up and I spend time with the Lord, that's important. As soon as I get in the car, it shifts, and now this, this is not important. And then when I arrive at church on Sunday, now this, this is important. But when I get in my car and go to Side Street Cafe, that's not important. That's, that's not how a Christian life is supposed to be lived. There needs to be integration, not this, not this dualism. So, um, so during the Reformation, some theologians talked about people having two callings, two vocations. And so the first one is to worship God and to build Christ's kingdom. So no matter what you do for a living, your first vocation is all about him. Your second vocation is how. How do you live that out every day? Are you a shoemaker? Are, are you a shoe repairer? Are you a shoe salesman? You know, there are different ways in which you're going you're gonna to serve the Lord. Um, I, I thought this was an interesting quote. Um, there's an author named Sky Jathani, who's a pretty big uh, podcaster now. Um, but he says, most Christians are not equipped to engage their highest calling, which is communion with God, or to discern their specific calling, which is their vocation or their work, because they don't have a relationship of listening to the Holy Spirit. And those things are spiritually discerned. So if we think that just being a human being, this will all be obvious, no. But as we seek the Holy Spirit and we listen to him daily, then we're like, oh, now I can understand what it means to live for him, and I can understand what it means for in my work to be used for his glory, right? Uh, Dallas Willard, you've probably heard of him, but he was the chair of philosophy at USC and one of the most brilliant thinkers of our, of our lifetime. He said that we as holy people must take up uh, all these callings of farming, teaching, parenting, banking, not just church work. And so sometimes there's this sense of that's holy, that's not. That's set apart and that's not. And according to Dallas, who is a brilliant thinker and a brilliant Christian, and a spirit-filled Christian, he said, uh-uh, 
These are holy things because you're holy and you serve a holy God and he put you in a place on purpose. So by serving him in that place, it becomes holy because you are. Not because making shoes is holy in itself. It's holy because you make shoes, right? The holiness travels with you. So sometimes we think about um, uh, work as separated from making disciples. And it can't be. And, and sometimes we think about, you know, well, I'm just surviving so that I can make it to Sunday, so I can make it to my time of being with the Lord. And the Lord's like, no, it's not about surviving and making it. I put you there so that you can influence others for me. And, and so in our daily life, wherever we are, our job is to be showing who he is and helping others to get to know him which is making disciples along the road. In, in fact, um, you remember the, the Great Commission where Jesus said, go and make disciples? A better translation of that in your Bible is going, make disciples. As you go, make disciples. And there's a, there's a really cool little book that's called Everyday, The Everyday Commission. Because it's not about you uh, raising money and going to Africa in order to make a disciple. Now, you may be called to do that. Some people are. But you may be called to go to Hollywood and make a disciple. You may be called to go all the way to Newbury Park and make a disciple. And then once you've made that disciple, to raise them up to follow the Lord. Because it's not about convincing somebody to come to church so that Kirk can disciple them. That's one of the problems with the American church. It's not my job to disciple your friend. I'll help you. But if, if, if I'm the one who has to disciple your friend, there, there's a bandwidth problem. Hopefully, because hopefully you have a lot of friends that need Jesus, right? But if I'm the only one that's helping them to grow and learn and follow him, that's a mess. My job is to help you do that Amen. so that we get rid of the bandwidth problem, right? So we can be a broadband church. Right okay, there we go. You can, you can tweet that. That would be pretty good. So, um, <laughs> so I, I often think, uh, sometimes we think of work as a means to an end. It sort of is. Um, and the end being relaxing. And so, um, so we, we work hard so that we can vacation. But I want to encourage you to think more about your vocation than your vacation. Because if your focus is on your vacation... You're going to ignore the people around you that are drowning spiritually because you're so focused on your screensaver of a beach that you just dream about, i got to get back to Kanapali and I don't care about all of you. That, that's not honoring to the Lord. That doesn't mean that Hawaii is not beautiful. It doesn't mean that you don't go there. It just means that you think about, okay, for 11 months, i got to deal with all of you guys. And there's a reason why God has put me here to deal with all of you guys to help you see him, and then if I check out and go to Hawaii, that's great. But if my focus is there and not on you guys, that is disobedience for God's people. Okay, so our work is, a, is an opportunity to represent Jesus. And, um, and a couple of good quotes. So John Calvin, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist this photo. There, there's a website called Missionalware, and so it's, it's reformed theology. So you can actually get beer mugs of your favorite reformers. 
Who knew? Wow. And they have ugly Christmas sweaters of Charles Spurgeon and John Calvin. So, anyway, John Calvin said, work is a way station for spiritual witness and service. Very purposeful. And Martin Luther, you may have heard of him, he said, we respond to our call to love our neighbor by fulfilling the duties associated with our everyday work. And you can get a tumbler to remind yourself, <laughs> right, when you're at work, that Luther said this is important. Okay, so here's another thing before we, before we really dive into Scripture on this. Uh, work is not a necessary evil or a result of the fall of man. Here's what I mean. Before Adam and Eve screwed up, they had a job to do. They had a job to uh, steward and cultivate the garden. They had a job to name the animals. They had a job to govern the planet before the fall. I don't know if you thought about that. Because sometimes we blame Adam and Eve and we're like, well, I would just be able to relax all the time except for those stupid people that were my, my ancestors. No. God created for six days. He worked for six days before he took a break on the Sabbath to set us the perfect example of how human beings are supposed to work, how we're supposed to survive, how we're supposed to live. Have you ever noticed sometimes when, when people, especially men, when men retire and don't have a purpose, you know what happens? They die. Why is that? Because we're created to do stuff. We're created to manage stuff. We're created to grow things and help things and, and, and to point others to the Lord. And if, if we only play golf, did I say that out loud? That, that, that probably is not enough. Okay. In fact, the word in the book of Genesis for cultivate the garden, that word in Hebrew means to work, to serve, and it also means to worship. Amen. Work and worship can go hand in hand in, in the Hebrew vocabulary. Okay, so what the, the fall made work harder. It didn't create work. The fall created weeds and pestilence and problems and difficulties and droughts and stuff that, yes, your work is a pain because of the fall, but the fall did not create your work. Make sense? Okay. Now, how do, what does God's word say about work? I'm glad that you asked. Let's get into that. Colossians 3.17, and we're going to do probably eight or nine passages of Scripture, and you could do a deeper dive. You could probably get 50 decent verses that talk about work and how, you know, your work ethic and all this, but I just want to give you uh, the, the top layer of them. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here's what some of you need to hear. Thank God for your work. Let that sink in. Some of you are like, I don't know if I've ever done that because I hate my work. Thank God for your work because Scripture says to thank God for whatever you're doing in word or deed. Colossians 3.23, a few verses later. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, 
as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance for the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, the context of these verses is a slave and a master. Whoa, sorry. I'm getting out of the way of the TV here. So our projector went down, and so we're trying out a TV. To see. You like it? It's all right. So, um, so the context of this is slaves and masters. Some of you feel like, man, that's my work environment, right? It's slave and master very much. But, but the whole idea here is whatever you're doing, don't picture the person only that you are working under or working with. Picture the Lord is really who you're putting in your time for, right? And you get paid to do this thing, but you're really serving him. You're making him look good, not just the business look good. Okay, Deuteronomy 5.13 says, Six days you'll labor and do all of your work. And then on the seventh day you will chill out. And some of us are not very good at chilling out on the seventh day, which makes work not as enjoyable the rest of the six days. It's true. Ecclesiastes 3, there's nothing better uh, than that you should enjoy your work, for that's your lot. So that's Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, saying, enjoy your work. You're stuck with it. You may as well enjoy it. And he also said some interesting stuff. He said... Um, he said that the king never gets any sleep, but the ditch digger sure does. So be careful what you wish for. That's interesting. So he said the rest of the laborer is sweeter than the rest of the rich guy. 1 Thessalonians 2.9, we worked night and day to not be a burden to any of you. So this is St. Paul, who could have just kicked back and just preached, but he didn't. He made tents, which was his trade, and he made money so that when he was going to a new place, they didn't have to support him. They didn't have to buy his food. They didn't have to put him up in a hotel. He, but he also talked about the worker is worth their wages. So he, he said, I'm not going to be a burden to you, but just so you know, I could. I could be, right? Ephesians 4, anyone who has been stealing, this is one of my favorites, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their hands, why? So they can share with other people. I love how it's not, he who has been stealing must steal no longer because they're going to go to hell. Interesting, right? So Paul's like, stop stealing so that you have something to give to somebody. So you can actually lead a productive life. So that you're part of the solution, not part of the problem. I love how it's like understated. It's like, really, you're going to steal and be a Christian? No, you're not doing that. And it's not just for threat of punishment. It's because you're not helping anybody. First right Thessalonians 3, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Wow. That's an interesting one we could put on the ballot right now. <laughs> but the whole idea here is in, in the early church, it says there were no needs among them. They had a feeding program for widows. There were all kinds of needs around them, all kinds of poor people. They took care of those needs. But they also, you'll notice in some of the writings, they're like, don't help a lady who's a busybody and isn't willing to help others. And is, there were some stipulations. It was like, do your part and we will help you. If you don't do your part, we're not helping you. Interesting. Right Psalm 90, may the favor of the Lord 
our God, rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You can pray that God blesses you in business. You can say, Lord, I'm doing this project. Would you please bless it? Would you please give me favor? Would you please bless this thing? Because I'm not serving Brighton. I'm serving you. Right? So you can ask for God's blessing on your work. In fact, he gave you the breath to breathe. He gave you the strength of your body. He gave your mind to use so that he could bless your work, so that you could be used in your work to honor him. Colossians 1, live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And I love these, these words, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So you don't arrive. You keep working. You keep inviting God in. You keep asking him to use you in your place of employment. And when you retire, my dad said this, retirement is not a biblical concept. It's refocusing. You do new stuff. Some of you who retired, you're busier now than when you were working. I know, right? There are a couple of you guys in our church, and I'm like, man, I, I can't even get you on the phone because you're doing too much stuff. So how do we live these verses out in real life? And how can people see our work uh, for what it is? How can we see our work as an opportunity to impact others for him? I want to uh, invite up a couple of friends who are going to share their thoughts on that. And the first one is Lynn. And so would you welcome Lynn as she pops up here. Hi. <laughs> How long have you been part of Caneo? You can tell them. Maybe, you don't know. I don't know. A while. A Six, while. seven years? Yeah, somewhere around there. Six and a half years, we'll call it. Okay. So uh, tell them what you do for a living, and how do you see your work as worship and ministry? I am a psychiatric nurse case manager. Um, did I ever expect that was the field I'd go into? Oh, no. <laughs> um, I'm sort of, um, sometimes I'm an adrenaline junkie. And I initially, when I went into nursing school, figured that you know I wanted a job that was exciting and something that I enjoy and something that um, I'd love doing. So I love helicopters. I love um, trauma medicine. I wanted to be a life flight nurse. And I, but I knew that there are not a lot of jobs, so I figured that if I couldn't get a job doing that, I'd like working in the ER. So I went to nursing school, and as I graduated, I was praying, you know, God, please open the doors you want open and close the doors you want closed. You gotta be really careful when you pray that prayer, because <laughs> he answered it. Um, by the time I graduated, those two jobs were off the table. Um, to be a flight nurse, you had to work in ICU for two years. ICU is a very important job. I hated it. Okay, it would have been torture. And the ER, um, the only jobs available were knock shift. And um, I melt in the middle of the night, so that was off. So it's like, God, really? Why, you know, why did you bring me this far and what do you want me to do? Little did I know he was nurturing a passion for people who have psychosis. 
and these are people with schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder. And um, he opened a door f for an amazing job, and I walked through. Mm -hmm. um, do I love it? Yeah. Is it exciting? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it challenging? You betcha. And there are days when it's like, really, God? I have pulled every rabbit out of the hat. I don't know how to reach this patient, let alone help them. What do you want me to do? And that's when I pray. Mm-hmm. You know, God, um, give me some insight. And he gives me some divine insight that I have no idea where it came from. And I will share that with my patient. They'll say, how did you know? And I'm thinking in my head, I didn't know. He knew. And um, it's, it can be hard. But um, there are days when it's challenging. And one of the challenges is I can't share my faith. Um, I, it's not allowed. But God figured out a way around that one. What I can do is if a patient opens up about their faith or their challenge with it, then I can walk through that door, and I do. Yeah. And I let them know that if they turn to God, that he can see them through some really, really challenging times. Amen. So that's, like I said, I never expected to do it, but that was his calling for me. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Jonathan Hagberg, you're the next contestant. Would you welcome Jonathan as he comes down here? So Jonathan's been helping us with tech and sound for a number of years now. Yeah, five and a half. Yeah, Almost approximately six five yeah. and a half. And so tell us how you see your, your work or different types of work that you do as ministry or worship. Yeah, so for the last uh, 12 years, I worked as uh, basically doing audio and stagehand work and production for events, um, partially freelance, but also for a private school. And then currently, I'm in the midst of a sort of a career swap into working advancement for nonprofits and events for nonprofits. Um, hopefully, that's the goal. We're going to see. Um, one of the amazing things that I've been able to see uh, God working through me uh, in these careers is the ability to develop intentional communities. And so to sort of to pour into groups and uh, watch God work. Uh, so as a stagehand, uh, you're a part of a very close-knit team, and you are sort of automatically given uh, an opportunity to minister by example. Uh, rarely on stagehand calls are you ever given an opportunity to minister directly, but you're given an opportunity to show that you're different from the people around you uh, by the way you work, your attitude, and sort of what your goals in your job are. Um, and working at a school, uh, my work is very intentionally driven by how can I leave a legacy that is better than where I started? And how can I, where does God want me to pour in to make these people's lives better? Be that teachers, be that administrators, or be that the, the kids themselves. And so that was really the last five years of my employment. Every year I would come to God and be like, do you still really want me here? I don't, I'm not sure I want to be here. And every year God would say, yeah, I want you here. And then over the course of the year I'd find out why. And I think that was, that was a valuable and intentional exercise for me of praying, am I meant to be here? And then praying when I heard back yes. Then being intentional about praying, okay, why do you want me to be here this year? 
and being open to receiving answers that I didn't always want to hear. Because uh, sometimes the reason I was there for people I didn't really want to be there for. Uh, but it was good for me to be there, and it was a way that God used me to minister both to the community and have my community minister to me. Love it. Wow. Thank you. Well said, as usual. So John is one of our resident theologians, so if you need to discuss something uh, confusing, difficult, uh, some social issue that you're struggling with, buy him a taco and he will share, <laughs> he will share his, uh, his insight with you. Uh, I wanted to share one other uh, person. So Edgar was going to be here with us this morning. He's a pilot. Uh, and uh, he just sent me his, his thoughts because he couldn't be with us, but let me just read that for you. So here we go. So he says, How often have you heard there is something different about you? And I answer, Glad you asked. Let me tell you about what is different. Do you, know, do you want to know more about it? But to get to this point, Christ-like actions must be evident, and raise curiosity in the hearts of our brothers and sisters. As an airline crew for a major U.S. carrier, I have lots of opportunities to serve uh, and to show uh, my love for the Lord through actions. Little things such as carrying the luggage down the stairs. Let me flip over. Technology member can be our friend or our enemy. Okay, there we go. Uh, for a fellow team member listening to a personal issue during the van ride to the airport or showing compassion to someone who is hurting, uh, open the doors for trust and an opportunity to share the good news with them. An attitude of humility and crediting God as the power behind has softened many hearts, providing uh, contort to a hurting person or comfort to a hurting person, not contort. Um, well, I don't know. He's from Brazil. He could, he could be using that in a creative way. Okay. Uh, providing comfort to a hurting person and salvation uh, for those who chose Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and I reached out to Edgar because he is somebody that I, I, I see as a very integrated member of our church family, where work and ministry, and family, and prayer, all are together. They're, they're, they're not in separate areas of his life. Everything is integrated. And I think that's a goal for all of us to say, Lord, how do you want to better integrate my faith into every single aspect of my life? And work is one of those that can be a little more challenging, but I, but I, I, I like Jonathan's point of, Lord, is this where I'm supposed to be? Okay, now how do you want to use me here? I think is a great way of integrating, uh, at least beginning that process in our lives. So, so do those at work even know that you're a Jesus follower? That's a great starting place. And for some of you, that might terrify you, that whole idea of like, yeah, but I'm not that good of an example. Okay, so work on that. Yeah, but, you know, they know who I used to be. Awesome. Uh, St. Paul used to kill people right? And then he said, you know, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, you, God will use your story for his glory, 
Oh, you could, you could put that out on Twitter too. That was pretty good. <laughs> so then um, the, the second one is this. Have you invited God to join you at work? Oh, well, yeah. Does he know that? Would he say that you have invited him to join you at work, to use you at work, to impact your work, to influence and inform your work? Because that is important. And, and that could be something that you do every day. Lord, here we go. And maybe you have a really difficult job, you work with really difficult people, you have difficult decisions, you don't know if you're even going to have a job next week. So do something to say, Lord, here we go, come with me. And maybe that is put a Bible on the passenger seat of your car. Maybe that is listen to a certain song or, or you know, read scripture as you walk into the building, as you're going up the elevator. Whatever it is, just figure out, say, Lord, how can I invite you into this all the time. One of my favorite people in history is Brother Lawrence. How many of you have heard of this this guy? So he was born in 1614 in France. Um, His original name, Nicholas Herman. I never knew that. Uh, A few years after being injured in the Thirty Years' War, and it looks like he was injured twice, Uh, he entered a Carmelite monastery and took on the name Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. He was awkward in speech and very clumsy. In fact, he jokes about how he broke stuff when he was a household servant, and he was a terrible household servant because they couldn't trust him with carrying things. I thought that was interesting. Um, And then he ended up serving the other monks in the kitchen because he wasn't very good with public. So he didn't really... They didn't send him out to do ministry stuff. They kept him in-house because he wasn't good enough to do that. So he ends up in the kitchen, and he served in the kitchen for decades, and then he eventually graduated to be a sandal repairman for the monastery. I guess that's a step up from the kitchen. But while he was in the kitchen, he invited the Lord to be with him every single day, and he came up with creative ways to invite the Lord. And so you've heard me call him the minister of pots and pans. And so he pictured the kitchen with the ovens and all the potatoes being cut and the smell of the onions and all this stuff as God's throne room. And, and I want to read you a couple of quotes from his book, which became known as Practicing the Presence of God, some of you have read it, which has influenced tens of millions of people throughout 400 years of time. And I think this is interesting. We don't remember any of the other monks who were more important and had outward-focused ministries and were a big deal. The minister of pots and pans is the one that we learned from about how to have faith, how to invite Jesus into our everyday lives, and how to serve him in very practical ways. Okay? So check this out. The time of work does not with me differ from the time of worship. In the noise and clatter of my kitchen, even while several people are at the same time calling out for different things, I commune with God as with uh, great tranquility, as if uh, I were upon my knees in prayer in the holiest cathedral of worship. People are calling out for, give me more ketchup, and it's worship to him. Because he, he has the right perspective. Amen. Look at this. Nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. 
I turned the cake that is frying on the pan for love for him. And that done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself on the kitchen floor in worship before him, who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. It's enough for me to pick up but a piece of trash from the ground for the love of God. So this guy, over time, later in life, and he had some uh, physical difficulties that kept him from getting around very easily, people started seeking him out. Other monks, other leaders, people from other towns, people from his town, wanted to have his insight because they saw something different about him, that he walked with Jesus. And they wanted to know, like, what do I do in this problem? Can you give me some advice? And so some of that book is his correspondence with people about how do you invite Jesus into the mundane? How do you invite Jesus into your problems? How do you worship him in the middle of doing regular life? So what if, what if each of us practiced the presence of God in our work like he did? What if millions of Christians became like that and said, no matter what I'm doing, hey, if I get a break, I'm laying down on the floor in worship to the Lord. Wow. What if you did that in your insurance office? Right? A lot of us work for, from home now, so that's a little easier, but it's interesting. I bet people walked in on him in the kitchen and they're like, are you okay? And he said, I'm just praying. And, and how do we practice the presence of God in our work? I think one, one helpful way is centering our thoughts on his character and his love. So if you start out in the morning with reading some scripture about who he is and why he loves you and why he loves the world and what he did with his love, that's going to motivate the rest of your day. If you don't start that way, it, that's going to motivate your day. Just think about it. Right now, what if we uh, cared for those in our work um, and embraced the fact that God put us here for a reason rather than say, well, they are just such a massive pain. Well, I don't know why they hired that guy because he is blank, blank, right? What if we said, maybe I'm here for God's purpose and he's put me next to people that other people couldn't handle. Maybe he's put me next to this person to help them find him even though they've been through so much. God will give you grace for people. And in fact, you've probably had this happen where somebody that makes you crazy once you hear their story you're like, oh, I'd be crazy too. And he gives you a little grace to say like, okay, I, I will try to put up with your stuff because now I know why, how you ended up in this position. And some people are just trying to survive. And so God can put you, he can, he can, he can change your perspective about the people around you. And, and I think in that position, what we need to be doing is listen to the Holy Spirit and, and tune in with his love for that person. And remember how Lynn was saying, she's not sure what to do. She has pulled every rabbit out of the hat and there ain't no rabbits left. Now what? And then she goes, Lord, I got a problem. I need your help. And you know what the Lord does? He loves the person more than she does. And he says, of course I'll help. We need to tune in with God's love for the people that we work with. Right on. And say, Lord, what are you doing in this person's life right now? Help me to see it. And I believe that God will give you words to speak into somebody's life that could be words of encouragement. You can do this. 
could be words of insight or knowledge where you're like, you know some stuff about their life that you shouldn't know. And, and you're like, I feel like God's telling you that you need to, you know, um, forgive your parents. Does that make any sense? And they're like, how did you know? Right? Because of him, because he loves you. It's not hocus pocus. It's not anything weird. It's loving. It's Holy Spirit informed care in the workplace because he put you there on purpose. So if we focus on his character and, and his love, that, that helps us practice the presence of God. And, and if we focus on his love in other people's lives, it help us to see, helps us to see each day as ministry. And you know what's interesting? If you have a really frustrating job, that switch can help you stay put. It can give you longevity. It can help you see each day differently because it's not about you. It's about him and about others. Amen? So what is he saying to you about your work? In this room, and those of you online, we got all, kind, we got all kinds of different work. I mean, you do all kinds of different various things for, for a living. Some of you have three or four things that you do. You have all kinds of stuff. So, so what is God saying to you about your work in this season at this time based on what we just talked about? Just ask him. What do you want me to do based on what we've just talked about? Does he want you to find meaningful work and you feel like what I'm doing doesn't really mean anything? Are you in the right spot? That was Jonathan's question. God, am I in the right spot? Maybe you, you feel like I'm in the right spot, but I'm not sure how to see this as mission. Like, how do I, how do I be a Christian with these people? I was a car salesman for a while. How do you be a Christian with them? Right? If you can, be, if you can do that, you can do it anywhere. It's just true. And I spend a lot of time on fishing boats, and that's just as hard. Like, wow, right? But God can use us in those positions. And, and the last one is this. How do you love the people around you well? Because you may, someone once said this, you may be the only Jesus they ever see. So what if you're not loving? What if you're judgmental? What if you can't get it together and show them who he is? Right? He has put us there for a reason. So, so we're going to do something crazy. I want to have uh, a whole bunch of you, if God is speaking to you about your work today, to stand up in a minute and walk up here up front as a sign of, I want prayer for me at work. I want to know, am I in the right spot? That might be your prayer. Or maybe you're out of work and you're like, I need work. Come on up here and stand up here, and we're going to pray for you. The second thing uh, may be, uh, God, help me to see my role as mission, because I don't. Like, I'm like, I, I don't know how to reach these people. I don't know why you put me here. I, help me to get it. Help me to have my heart right, and help me to love these people. And the third one might be this. God, help me to invite you into my work. Because I'm like right now, I'm leaving home, and I'm leaving you there. And then I get home and I find you there and I'm like, you know, I should have probably brought you with me. Things would have gone better. So those are the three challenges. Are you in the right place? Have you uh, invited God into your work? And, and do you see it as mission and ministry and love or not? So I want to ask the band to come up. And, and it's, it's actually my prayer 
that we as a church would embrace prayer more naturally. That it wouldn't be something weird. That we would want to pray for each other, that we would want to receive prayer. And so, um, so I, I want to ask um, Michelle and Ryan to come on up here with me. And, and I want to ask a whole bunch of you. I'm hoping maybe everybody comes forward. I want to ask a whole bunch of you to just stand up if God's been speaking to you this morning about how he wants to use you in your work and how he wants you to invite him into your work to just take a step and come up forward and just kind of face the band and just spend some time praying with him. And then we're just going to take time and just kind of walk through you and just pray over you one by one, um, just quietly. We won't, we won't embarrass you. But it's just a time for you to say, I'm serious about this. God, use me where I work. So a whole bunch of you, come on up.